Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast recording of the Old Testament. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll be using for the text the Joseph Smith translation of the Old Testament, along with many commentaries from general authorities of the Church, BYU professors, Bible scholars, and others. This format will be very detailed, and so if you want a deep analysis of the Old Testament, you come to the right place. Thanks for your attendance. Hi, and welcome back to the Old Testament podcast. This is going to be the last chapter of Joshua, chapter 24, and it'll be a little long. I do have some narrative on this one, so stay tuned. And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers, and they presented themselves before God. Now, Shechem, just to let you know, geographically is north of Jerusalem, uh, and that's actually where the capital for the northern tribe is going to be. And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nicor, and they served other gods. And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood, and led him throughout all the land of Canaan, and multiplied his seed, and gave him Isaac. And I gave unto Isaac Jacob and Esau, and I gave unto Esau Mount Seir to possess it. But Jacob and his children went down into Egypt. And I sent Moses... Also an Aaron, and I plagued Egypt according to that which I did among them, and afterward I brought you out. And I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and ye came unto the sea, and the Egyptians pursued after your fathers with chariots and horsemen unto the Red Sea. And when they cried unto the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians, and brought the sea upon them, and covered them, and your eyes have seen what I have done in Egypt, and ye dwelt in the wilderness a long season. And I brought you into the land of the Amorites, which dwelt on the other side Jordan, and they fought with you, and I gave them into your hand, that ye might possess their land, and I destroyed them from before you. Then Balak the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and warred against Israel, and sent, and called Balaam the son of Beor to curse you. But I would not hearken unto Balaam, therefore he blessed you still, so I delivered you out of his hand. Remember that all of these people are being killed, not because the Israelites were so much better, but because they had ripened in iniquity, and therefore the Lord would destroy them. Remember that they had about 500 years to repent, and they did not. Verse 11, And ye went over Jordan, and came unto Jericho, and the men of Jericho fought against you, the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Girgashites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and I delivered them into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you, which drave them out from before you, even the two kings of the Amorites, but not with thy sword, nor with thy bow. And I have given you a land for which ye did not labor, and cities which ye built not, and ye dwell in them, and the vineyards and all of your yards which ye planted which ye planted not do ye eat. Now therefore fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in, in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Marvin J. Ashton said, Joshua reminds us of the importance of making decisions promptly, not tomorrow, not when we get ready, not when it is convenient, but this day, straightway, choose whom ye will serve. He who invites us to follow will always be out in front of us with his spirit and influence setting the pace. He has charted the mark and marked the course, opened the gates, and shown the way. He has invited us to come unto him, and the best time to enjoy his companionship is straightway. We can best get on the course and stay on the course by doing as Jesus did, make a total commitment to do the will of his Father. 
Verse 16, And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, he is it that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, and which did those great signs in our sight, and preserved us in all the way wherein we went, and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drave out from before us all the people, even the Amorites, which dwelt in the land. Therefore will we also serve the Lord, for he is our God. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye cannot serve the Lord, for he is an holy God. He is a jealous, desiring, exclusive devotion God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If ye forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do, do you hurt and consume you after that he hath done you good. And the people said unto Joshua, Nay, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye are witnesses against yourselves that ye have chosen you, the Lord, to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. Now therefore put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you, and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. And the people said unto Joshua, The Lord our God will will we serve, and his voice will we obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that, that day, and set them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God, and took a great stone, and set it up there under an oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said unto all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness unto you, for it hath heard all the words of the Lord, which he spake unto us. It shall be therefore a witness unto you, lest ye deny your God. So Joshua let the people depart, every man to his, unto his inheritance. And it came to pass that after these things, that Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being an hundred and ten years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnath-serah, which is in the Mount Ephraim, on the north side of the hill of Gosh. And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders that overlived Joshua, and which had known all the works of the Lord that he had done for Israel. And the bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel brought up out of Egypt, buried they in Shechem, in a parcel of ground which Jacob bought of the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of silver, and it became the inheritance of the children of Joseph." Reference is made here to the bones of Joseph. When Joseph, Jacob's son, was dying, he extracted a promise from the children of Israel that they would take his body with them when they left Egypt. Most likely his body has been, had been embalmed in the Egyptian manner. Upon Israel's departure from Egypt, Moses honored the promise and took the bones of Joseph with him. Following Israel's arrival and settlement in the promised land, Joseph's remains were interred as recorded in Joshua 24. And that was out of the Institute Manual. So it looks like they carried jo- Joseph's bones with them uh, everywhere they traveled. That seems kind of... Anyway, and Eleazar, the son of Aaron, died, and they buried him in a hill that pertained to Phinehas, his son, which was given him in Mount Ephraim. In conclusion, in the strength of God, Joshua and Israel became fearless. Nations trembled at the mention of their name. Courageously, they swept over the land of Canaan, east and west of Jordan, and none could stop their conquering spirit except themselves. They had earned, for the present at least, the name Jeshurun, righteous Israel, because they had chosen to serve the Lord. The saints today also face a world intent on their spiritual destruction. Canaan has long passed from the earth, but Satan, who incited Canaan's wickedness and opposition to Israel, is still determined to destroy those who follow the Lamb of God. Now during this critical period, and it is a critical period that we are passing through, I hope that we will keep ever burning in our hearts the spirit of this great work which we represent. 
If we do so, we'll have no anxiety, we'll have no fear, we'll not worry about the future because the Lord has given us the assurance that if we live righteously, if we keep his commandments, if we humble ourselves before him, all will be well. I turn to two passages of scripture today which I'd like to read. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and be of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. This was the Lord's admonition to his son Joshua, encouraging him to trust in God. Joshua answered that admonition in counsel to his people in these words. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Embodied in these two passages of Scripture are the two principles essential for security and peace. First, trust in God, and second, a determination to keep the commandments, to serve the Lord, and to do that which is right. Latter-day Saints who live according to these two admonitions trust in God and keep His commandments, or keep the commandments, have nothing to fear. The Lord has made it very clear in the revelations that even though times become perilous, even though we be surrounded by temptations and sin, even though there be a feeling of insecurity, even though men's hearts may fail them and anxiety fill their souls, if we only trust in God and keep his commandments, we need have no fear. That was by President Benson. With this event, the history of Joshua closes. Looking back upon it, we gather the lessons of life and work and of their bearing upon the future of Israel. Born a slave in Egypt, he must have been about 40 years old at the time of the Exodus. Attached to the person of Moses, he led Israel in the first decisive battle against Amalek. While Moses, in the prayer of faith, held on to heaven the God-given rod, the deaths of Joshua and Eleazar were, of course, chronicled at a later period, according to the Talmud, The former was written down by Eleazar and the latter by Phinehas. It was no doubt on that occasion that his name was changed from Oshea, help, to Jehoshua, Jehovah is help. And this name is the key to his life and work. Alike in bringing the people into into Canaan and in his wars and in the and in the distribution of the land among the tribes, from the miraculous crossing of Jordan and taking of Jericho to his last address, he was the embodiment of his new name, Jehovah is help. To this outward calling, his character also corresponded. It is marked by singleness of purpose, directness, and decision. There is not indeed about him that that elevation of faith or comprehensiveness of spiritual view which we observed in Moses. Witness Joshua's despondency after the first failure at Ai. Even his plans and conceptions lack breadth and depth. Witness his treaty with the Gibeonites and the commencing disorganization among the tribes at Shiloh. His strength always lies in his singleness of purpose. He sets an object before him and unswervingly follows it. So in his campaign, he marches rapidly, falls suddenly upon the enemy, and follows up the victory with unflagging energy. But there he stops till another object is again set before him, which he similarly pursues. The same singleness, directness, and decision rather than breadth and elevation seem also to characterize his personal religion. There is another remarkable circumstance about Joshua. The conquest and division of the land seem to have been his sole work. He does not appear to have even ruled as a judge over Israel, but so far also as the as the conquest and division of the land were concerned, his work was not complete, nor indeed intended to be complete. And this is characteristic of the whole Old Testament dispensation, that no period in its history sees its work completed, but only begun and pointing forward to another yet future, till at last all becomes complete in the fullness of time in Christ Jesus. 
Thus viewed, a fresh light is cast upon the name and history of Joshua. Assuredly, Joshua did not give rest even to his own generation, far less to Israel as a nation. It was rest begun, but not completed, a rest which even in its temporal aspect left, no, left so much unrest, and as such it pointed to Christ. What the one Joshua could only begin, not really achieve, even in, his, in its outward typical aspect, pointed to and called for the other Joshua, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whom and by whom all is reality and all is perfect and all is rest forever. And so also it was only after many years that Oshea became Joshua, while the name Joshua was given to our Lord by the angel before his birth. The first became the second was Joshua. And so the name and the work of Joshua pointed forward to the fullness in Christ, alike by what it, it was and by what it was not. And this is entire accordance with the whole character and object of the Old Testament. That was by Alfred Edersheim. So that's the end of Joshua, and we'll get into the next stuff later on. See you next time. Bye.